Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Alistair Barlow, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. Now, you know, it would be remiss of me not to kick off and ask if you've been following the cricket, of course. So I'm actually a Scot, right? <laughs> so to me, I'm completely, completely oblivious when England played. So, so says all English people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, and I know from your background, you, you're more rugby too than um, other sports, aren't you? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't really, don't really um, have anything to write home about the football either. So um, I think it, it leaves it leaves the rugby to follow, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, I know a big, big international fan. So um, yeah, Scotland's been playing pretty decent over the past past few years with under uh, Gregor Townsend. So uh, yeah, hopefully we have a good Six Nations in. Uh, well, hopefully Six Nations happens in February first hurdle, I guess. But yeah, hopefully it'll uh, good. We had a we had a decent autumn as well, which was good. When's the Six Nations and where, where's that supposed to take place and so normally it's kind of Wales, Ireland, Scotland, England, France, and Italy. So it's it's just Northern Hemisphere. But um, so that's it's normally the first second week in Feb it kicks off, and then uh, plays for about six seven weeks or so, depending on on, on COVID and what happens there. But uh, yeah, normally normally it's pretty good, pretty exciting. Well, speaking of COVID, I mean it, it's we're just saying it's uh, been. We thought we'd seen the back of it when I saw you in uh, in person, which was amazing, right, back in November? November, November maybe. You know, it was a bit of a lull then. It was kind of pre this latest strain and we were able to travel not too bad and we were kind of celebrating a little bit and we got out and we, we had a few pints and uh, now here we are, the, the world is um, going backwards again. Yeah, and in hindsight, it's crazy when you look at it, isn't it? So I guess back in November, you know, we were all out and about in London you know, most restrictions were off, enjoying ourselves, enjoying life. Now back in the UK, where I think I think it's Plan B, we're on. The charts are going up. As, as I was saying before, you know, if it was a revenue chart, you'd be pretty happy. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's it's not. And then we're back to uh, some restrictions in place. But uh, hopefully, this time round, it's um, considerably milder. You know, I'll have to see how it pans out. But yeah, it's continually. Um, it's just just came from nowhere, I guess. This one, didn't it? Most people are trying to do the right thing and get their boosters and. At least it seems, uh, you know, those that get it, it as, you, as you mentioned, it's a bit milder. But um, I think, I don't know about you and, and the, the circles that you go in, I think people are just generally just completely and utterly over it. And uh, it's so hard to make plans and try and contemplate the disruptions. The flights all over the world are, are cancelled, not not only for for COVID and, fl- and crews going down, but where we are, there's there's weather right across the western aspects of the US, and there's more coming, and it's great for our skiing, but um, not not great for flights. <laughs> Being in Europe, we have disruptions. So we we have we have all the countries having their own rules. So you know, as Brits, we've been stopped by the French visiting France. So so I had a, I had a trip just after Christmas to France to my parents, and and that got stopped. And then you know, there's a bunch of probably about fifteen of us accounting leaders in the UK that the hiring a chalet or we're hiring a chalet in France and, you know, going out there for a week of skiing and a week of brainstorming and kind of trying to propel each other's businesses and challenge each other and that sort of thing. And that's obviously been halted because the French government won't allow us Brits in. Thankfully, their neighbours in Switzerland are a bit more amenable to us. Um, They'll take your, your British pounds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it looks like we're going to be heading, uh, heading to Switzerland for a bit of skiing in, the, in a couple of weeks instead. But uh, yeah, it's so disruptive. It's very difficult to plan, really difficult to plan. 
anything, I think, at the moment. But hopefully it pitches out pretty quickly and we can get back to some form of no- some form of normality anyway. I imagine uh, 15 accountants going skiing. There's an there's, uh, enormous amount of work that gets done. A lot of st- strategic planning. <laughs> in the bar. A lot, lots, in lots, the bars, <laughs> yeah. lots of work in the bar. So uh, it's, it's normally pretty good fun. But it also, it, it does really kind of, you know, the, it is a very easy environment. You know, I think one of the greatest things is to be sat on a chairlift, chat to someone about some of the business problems you have. And that's when, that's when the real creative juices really start to flow rather than kind of, you know, an artificial brainstorming kind of, you know, flip chart session. But when you're actually on a chairlift, just, just chatting day to day about what you do, what, what's going on and kind of the direction you're going to take the business in and, you know, some of the challenges you're seeing. And that's, um, it's pretty, pretty powerful, I think, when you start to, um, just get those creative juices flowing among um, those leaders. And we've got a few tech companies coming as well, or, or we did have, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to do. You know, if you ever, if you ever need a, uh, a sponsor and, and a representative, we're always available for strategic sessions in Switzerland. <laughs> for ski, uh, ski lessons in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been doing this now for, uh, couple of years so, so ever since we started flint ever since we started flinder we we did our client and ski tri- our client and staff ski trip right we did the first one like a couple months into flinder which is just just under five years ago and basically it was just an excuse for me and my co-founder luke to go out and, and go skiing together and then so it built on from there from the two of us and then it built uh, as a team so we take the team out every march and we bring them out for four or five days then we send them home and then we bring we invite a bunch of clients out and, um, you know, it breaks down barriers for clients and it, it, again, fosters really good relationships and, you know, just it's just a really great fun thing to do. And then a couple of years ago, we introduced this kind of accounting leaders ski trip as well. So we, we call it Flinder, Flinder Takes Peace. And then so we organized, you know, chalet and, and, and took out, you know, 12 or so accounting leaders. Now we're up to 15 and we want to each year we want to grow it into something bigger and kind of ultimately get to like a think tank session and maybe with, you know, sponsors paying for like the drinks in a bar or that that sort of thing. And but yeah, no, it's, overall, it's just great fun, but also, you know, to actually develop some, think, think of mini Davos, right? But, uh, but a lot more alcohol. I think there's a fair bit of grog that goes on in Davos <laughs> and a whole lot of other stuff, but uh, we, we'll leave that to them. As you mentioned, Flinder's been five years in the making so far and, and hammering along very nicely and created a, an amazing spot in the market for yourselves in the, in the UK. So congratulations on all the success of, of Flinder thus far, and, and I'm sure uh, plenty more to go. What's the magic between you and your co-founder Luke that you think has has led to the success that you've you've had so far? And where do you see the business in the next in the next five years? It's a question I've never had before in terms of kind of you know what's the magic potion between us. I think Flinder, whilst you know we're almost five years old, actually in the we've been in the making longer than that and the reason for that and and part of the the answer to your question is that luke and i actually worked together for three years in pwc before that and so i think we'd already developed you know a very strong relationship of how things worked in pwc between him and i and actually sharing the same vision the same passion for the direction that we want to take flinder in or, or and kind of what we set up with flinder i think that that has probably been one of the one of the strengths that we've had between Luke and I, like we, we have our own individual roles. We're not a partnership in the sense where I have my clients and I have my favorite staff and he has his clients, his favorite staff, and we come together for the for a common roof and a common name. Like we have 
proper structured C-suite roles. And so he's got he's got his strengths and his, his, his kind of attributes. And I've got my strengths and my attributes. And, they, you know, there's obviously some overlap there because we're both chartered accountants, but actually we're really clear on what we both individually do. And I think that's really propelled us both, for, propelled the business forward and continued to go from strength to strength. So I think that's probably part of it. And also I think, you know, you know, I've seen a bunch of accounting firms set up and it's one person. And my view is you always need at least two people to set up a business and grow fast. Because, you know, everyone has good days, everyone has bad days, and everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses or development points, as, as, as we call them. And so I think, you know, playing to each other's strengths and kind of being the yin to the yang really, really works and really helps. So understanding where your weaknesses are and kind of plugging that gap, I think is important. So that's probably the first part. I can't actually remember the second part of your question. About where where are you at today, and and what are your plans over the next you know the next five years of the business? Yeah, so where we are today, I think if I'm if I'm really honest, probably a bit of naivety, we're we're probably behind where I would would have wanted us to be five years in, but you know forty percent of that we've had COVID in you know just it's shutting a lot of the country down, and you know the first twelve months was about getting the tent set up and, and getting processes in place. So you know re- really not that much traction in the first twelve months, like you know accelerated traction. So so it's probably probably a little bit behind where I wanted us to be. Where are we now? We are forty. 40 people in the business. So, you know, whilst I, whilst I say that, you know, for a service business and accounting firm, you know, to get to 40 people is still probably pretty quick to do. We're a couple million revenue pounds is where we got to. We're across three different locations. So predominantly we're based in London with the, the majority of the accountants or, or training accountants, chartered accountants. We've got a, a small data ops and tech hub in Northern Ireland. We've got four people there. So three back-end developers and front-end developer. And we've got probably about 12 people in in an offshore shared service center doing some kind of, you know, data processing, bookkeeping things. So that's kind of where we are today. We essentially work with, you know, fast growth and complex businesses in and around London and the Southeast. We run the full finance function for them. We call it a smart finance function. So it's everything from kind of what are the right data structures for those clients in zero or in other other applications that are relevant to the finance or, or getting finance data in and, in and around the business or connected data, do all the bookkeeping, do all the kind of, you know, payment runs, processing of payment runs, month-end close, you know, all the typical stuff around VAT, payroll, compliance things. And then kind of, you know, where we where we really get excited about is this concept of a portfolio CFO. So that's kind of, you know, us having like and I don't want to belittle the role of a virtual CFO, but it's more than a virtual CFO. It is truly having challenge and a voice in the boardroom and challenging and supporting the board in the direction of the strategy. So very different to just somebody kind of, you know, here's a cash flow and I'll sit I'll sit and listen to the rest of the meeting and these are what your numbers are it's kind of like really you know what 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 do the numbers mean for the business what should the business what action should the business take out of it operationally and should they invest in different areas and really challenging that so so that's one area we get excited for with the the kind of fractional cfo portfolio cfo role and then moving into kind of the data analytics you know giving much richer depth of insight into our clients from both financial and operational data from different kind of systems, cloud systems or in and around the business. And the reason the reason for that is we've always been passionate when we set the business up five years ago was to 
take it beyond just a P&L and balance sheet or, or kind of, you know, analytics on a P&L and balance sheet. It's all around, you know, what are the relationships in the business from different sets of data and what does it mean? So not just, you know, my revenue or my margin's gone up or down or my cash has gone up or down, but why has it gone up or down? Is it because I've sold more, my average selling prices is higher? Have I sold to different geographies? Have I sold to customers that will give me different margins? Or am I direct to consumer? Am I wholesale? You know, how am I squeezing margin? What do my unit economics look like? You know, so there's there's all kind of getting into the granular detail around the business and not just the finances. Like, what does it actually mean? And so that's what we're really passionate about. In terms of the direction of where we're, where we're taking it, it's, it's kind of, you know, more growth in, we, we really have two sides to the business and, and it's more growth in that smart finance function. So what I've just described, and that's really kind of, you know, we're, we want to grow it at real pace. So we're probably looking at three years time rev, revenue of about 10 million, right? So double, double-ish, double-ish again, and, and then kind of, you know, get to around about 10 million or so in three years time of, of revenue. And then at the same time, heavy emphasis on kind of the data analytics side of things to the point where we're investing in our own technology and developing our own technology because we've got a certain view on what we want to provide to our clients and what we're seeing in the market doesn't really fit the sweet spot so a bit like many you know there's quite a few accounting firms these days which go oh i fancy something a bit different i don't really see something doing it i'll go and play myself and see what I can get to and then actually they end up having legs and a product themselves so you know we've probably seen that in quite a few accounting firms that have spun off into into developing tech there's an element there where we want to facilitate the better production of this kind of real-time analytics in our clients across the business but then also for clients that we don't deliver anything to do with finance we want to just sell them software as a service so there's an element of that so I mean first off first and foremost it's kind of you know UK penetration. We're only in London, the southeast, so there's, it's about expanding across the country. Um, we're in two sectors at the moment, which is fast growth tech SaaS businesses and fast growth e-commerce businesses. They're the kind of two key sectors that we focus on. So there'll be there'll be more sector expansion there as, as we as we grow or as we look for growth. Then there'll be there'll also be you know national growth, and then the the kind of data analytics, which is territory agnostic, will will look to expand internationally once we got that product, once we got that right, basically in the market. Yeah, it's an interesting aspect of of your business, you know, tr- get, getting into these analytics, understanding the data. I guess am I right in sort of saying that? Because uh, a lot of your customer base is just in those two sectors, in the fast growth SaaS and and, and e-commerce, that the data, it, there's some pattern recognition happening. The data starts to look similar after a while. The aspects, the, the KPIs of those businesses are probably similar. Um, and, and you sort of get to a, a deeper understanding of, of what those businesses need and what the drivers are. Yeah, so you get into the realms of you didn't say you didn't say the word, but um, you get into the realms of, of niches, or, or, or as you guys say over the pond, niches, verticals, mate, verticals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're you're absolutely right. I think you know you, you can really demonstrate huge huge value and huge cream and, and actually you can charge a much higher premium if you are consistently going hey we work with a bunch of fast growth companies and this is what uh, stakeholders or shareholders vcs want to see these are the typical metrics you would be looking at you know it's all about mrr and, and churn cost to serve customer acquisition cost lifetime value and if you're able to if you're able to i mean we start front end we go okay what do you need to report and then let's work backwards and see where the data is coming from and if you're actually even capturing the data in the right systems and if the systems are set up for the right data fields and so once you have almost like a playbook 
then it does become it becomes consistent. You bring that level of huge level of expertise, uh, like you would as a consultant, right? When you've you've seen it a hundred times, do you bring that huge level of expertise to any one of your SaaS clients? Although the technology they're using might be different, right? They might be using Charge B as a, as a billing system, one company, and then someone else might be using something different or even have built their own. And so the technology or the, the core data, the way it's structured might be different, but you know what you want. You know what you're looking for to be able to report on those same metrics and have those, have those strong conversations. And it's the same for e-commerce businesses. You know, the data, it, it might be Shopify, it might be WooCommerce, it might be a proprietary system they've built. But at the end of the day, you're looking at, okay, what's my, what's my total revenue? What's my, contribution margin one two and three what was my customer acquisition cost my lifetime value and, and unit economics and that's what you'd be looking from e-commerce to e-commerce e-commerce business so you can demonstrate a huge amount of credibility and con- consistency and also you're taking you know what does good look like in terms of you're not just doing this do, not just doing these bench these kind of building these metrics but actually once you've got the metrics what what does good look like what should you be looking at as a business that's looking for growth or a business that's looking to be kind of more steady state so uh, yeah hugely powerful to focus on those verticals and we've got we will have a certain amount of where we can replay that experience from one client to another client to another client so some of the stuff you've invested early on in the path of flinder we can it, it's quite repeatable to a certain extent yeah, you don't want to reinvent the wheel for every client. There's a whole range of, of uh, skill sets required in, in a high-growth accounting firm like yours. Pre-COVID, you know, probably two years ago, the, the hottest topic was, was labour and finding great staff. What's your view of where that's going to where, – where is it at the moment for, for you guys in the UK and, and London and, and where do you see that over the next 12, 18 months? For those listeners that might not be in the UK, London's not the cheapest place to um, to hire accountants. Probably one of the most expensive places in the world <laughs> to hire accountants. That that's where we happen to be. So I think it's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. And I think, uh, well, I think I know uh, hiring good accountants is going to continue being probably the number one challenge of any growing account growth accounting firm. So you really have to differentiate yourself as to kind of what makes you what makes you different to the next accountant excuse me, the next accounting firm or a big four firm, you know, there's obviously big presence in London for all the big four. So it's about kind of differentiating yourself and what your what your team can do at your business. Um, and I think the the challenge and the demand for good accountants will is only going to increase because I don't I don't I don't really see like you know there's the competition with bank or there's always been the competition with banks now there's the competition I think for data scientists and 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 data engineers that you know people that will be wired for would have been wired to go into the accountancy profession will now have that as an option as well right so there's there's more and more of those roles so I think you know the funnel of new accountants I don't think is getting bigger. And I think there's a greater competition for good accountants. So you have to stand out, really. And, and we've kind of, we've tackled that. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to hire the right people. But in terms of tackling it, I think you have to, I mean, what we did was we kind of did a bunch of YouTube videos of what it's like to work at Flinder, like what it's really like. Not None, none of these corporate bullshit stuff, right, where... I, I'm PwC 16 years, right? So I, I know the corporate way of, I really enjoyed my time at PwC and I took so much from it. I learned another language. I lived in a different country and stuff. So there's a huge amount to take from it. But equally, 
I think, you know, what we did with kind of you know, opening the doors to Flinder was like, what's it really like? What's it like to go on a Flinder ski trip as a team member? What's it like? What are the best things to work at Flinder? You know, day in the life of senior associates. And I think that's appealed to quite a lot of people is because they can see this openness and really see what it's like. At, like, you know, warts and all, what's it like at Flinder? And, and also a lot of the stuff we do, you know, we're quite open about our smart finance functions, our connected analytics. You know, a lot of people kind of, it appeals to them and they're like, oh, actually, this is different. This is this is kind of market leading. I want to be at the forefront of what's going on. And so, you know, once we have, it's not, it's not always easy to get someone in front of you because, you know, there's a huge demand to just, just to get people in first place. But once they've seen what we're about, we have, we have quite a choice over the people that we that sit in front of us because they're already bought into our culture, our way of, our way of thinking, which is, has been really powerful for us actually to be able to um, demonstrate what we're like under the skin. I guess the message there is, you know, what once there's accounting firms and there's accounting firms, right? Like the, the ones that that are passionate, that have purpose, that do their best to enjoy what they do, that work with great clients, that have great culture, that that do the things like you're talking about. You know, it doesn't have to be ski trips. It can be any any kind of, you know, a cultural bonding experience that that makes your workplace appeal, appealing to spend time with, right? Like, you know, the, the world has changed so so dramatically over the last two years and gone are the days of the, uh, the wood partitions and lifestyle and, and work are uh, irrevocably inseparable. <laughs> yeah, no, I so, totally, totally agree. I think, I think the other thing, she, and you touched on it, was, was clients. Like we have some really, really cool, challenging, but interesting businesses that are on great growth trajectories. And, you know, people want to be part of that. And people want to work and challenge themselves, which then leads into kind of the whole development journey as well. And we we place quite an emphasis on trying to help people develop themselves into you know really strong professionals. And we're quite passionate about that, with a bit bit more of a focus on learning and development than than the average firm of forty people. And certainly the plans that we have for the business going forward in terms of a, a full on L and D syllabus and program as well. So I think you know people people appreciate that. I think in the team. No, it, it is interesting working on diff, uh, an array of clients, fast-growing clients. We being able to take that experience and and get that you know that array of experience as well. That's different to being an industry where you sort of you know three or four years in one place. It's it's all you see is all you know, right? And so I I, I can see that there's a compelling offering there for you know for young accountants or or, or young graduate business graduates that are that are interested in in numbers and working with interesting people. And I can see that that's a compelling offering. And actually it goes up the chain to, to kind of more experienced people. So we, we've got, we've got a couple of people that are ex big four as, you know, portfolio CFOs. And one of the things they had as a frustration where they were was kind of, you know, this, a very kind of narrow view from the, from the, from the big four in terms of this is what the scope and this is what your role is. And this is what we sell as a service. Whereas we're much more like, Oh, if there's an opportunity, Hey, fuck it. Let's, let's try it. Let's, let's have a go. Let's, yeah, let's grow that out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's kind of, you know, just, just run with it, see where we get to. So we've got much more of an appetite to, uh, you know, a bit, bit more of a risk, a greater risk profile or a kind of appetite than your average big four would do. And, and, you know, we're quite keen for people to explore and try and exploit different solutions and different services that they deliver to clients. What are the obvious ver- uh, other verticals that you might sort of spread into? It's something like, you know, as we go through our FY22 strategy, it's something we're considering, well, what are those? I think for 22, we're probably still clear on on tech and e-commerce. I think 
beyond anything that we go into has to be complex, right? It has to be complex and it has to have a lot of data in it. It has to be fast growth. And the reason for that is because we can add a, a premium, add value and charge a premium fee. I think crypto and NFTs is, is an area which we're already seeing some of our existing... That's complex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so already seeing some of our clients, you know, there's some potential for them to get involved in stuff there. So, so for example, we've got a men's kind of luxury shoe company, and some of some of what they do are one-off designs. And so, you know, one of the one of the guys who's really passionate about NFTs is, you know, how could you turn this into an NFT? Because these are these are one-off bespoke designs, and and so potentially something around that. We've got we we do have a few a fair few people in the business that are really interested in in crypto and and, and blockchain. So there may be something there. I think also maybe something like digital agencies could could be interesting i see a few companies a few firms focused on that so that, that could be something that's quite interesting you know you, you can benchmark those quite easily one against another yeah there's there's a few different options that we can we can look at but like what we would do as a business when we went into e-commerce so we started off with SaaS. when we went into e-commerce we, we we did a proper analysis of the market in terms of which other accountants are doing what and who's who's kind of who's leading the way who's got lead magnets you know who's got signature systems like methodology that they talk about who's who are, the, who are they partnering with all this sort of stuff there was a big gap there to be honest and when we when we're picking up e-commerce clients we're picking them up off generalist accountants that you know in the in the politest possible way don't really understand e-commerce and 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 what they need the metrics they need and how they need to be reported even something like inventory right so so something like stock just or for your American listeners, inventory just isn't managed properly in most of the ones we pick up. So, you know, there's quite a lot you can add value with on, on day one, basically. And, and we talk about our first 50 days with Flinder. And in that first 50 days, we, we get it all sorted, basically, and get you onto a kind of a good business as usual um, format. Yeah, man, onto, onto a good operating platform. Maybe I'll throw it back to you and say, what, what do you think would be, given your experiences and what you see from Carbon and all your clients, who do you see as the ones that would work with complex sectors like what are those complex sectors that are data rich that are in growth areas i think i'd contemplate geography before expanding vertical i'd make sure that you you've got uk sorted out and then i'd think about about other countries because you know particularly the money that's pouring into um sas and and crypto and and e-commerce here you know the rise of etsy and and all of that kind of stuff through covid it's just extraordinary, and you know, the, there's so much room here for uh, for quality accounting, and and I think the the expertise that you've established are like 99% compatible. Just change the pound symbol to a dollar symbol, mate, and you'll be you'll be away. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. In fact, another one that we do work with that kind of sits in, if you, ha- if you have a Venn diagram, you've got SaaS on one side and you, or, or tech on one side, and you've got e-commerce on the other side, it sits in the middle as marketplaces. So we have, we have quite a few marketplaces as well. So, you know, mi- mini Amazons, uh, basically. They have their own complexities. They have some of the complexities that tech businesses have and some of the complexities that e-com businesses have. You know, and one of the big challenges they have is around VAT reporting because you're you're the whether you're the principal or the agent. So yeah, they they are also data rich and real complex. There's some complexity in there. The, I'm underplaying it a bit. There's a huge amount of complexity here with sales tax and all kinds of you know like let's call it like native regulatory ass stuff. But you know at at its core, at its foundation, I don't think my 
look, I love accounting. I love accountants, of course, but I don't think there's there's an enormous number of firms that really understand SaaS and, and the metrics that go with it and payback periods and CACs and lifetime values and, you know, net revenue retention and all the metrics that we use day to day, we essentially built from scratch for, for ourselves. We use Zora, which is, you know, probably about the most complex billing and subscription system you can use. But it, but as you said before, you know, the numbers are the numbers. It's it's the actual understanding of, of the metrics that is the key capability for accounting to for accountants to serve their serve their SaaS clients and if you understand that and 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 I know that you do then you know the, there is certainly markets in not only US but uh, but I'm sure in other 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 countries that fly the the, the flag on the top left <laughs> we're only scratching the surface even in London right so there's, there's the huge scope in London and then there's other parts of the country where there are tech hubs in in you know the southwest in Bristol in the Manchester area and in Scotland there's there's just huge huge potential really so it's probably maximizing that first one of the, one of the things we're actually looking at which serves it well to to stick in a sector is is almost developing an in-residence team of experts and what i mean by that is again to further differentiate this you know we we use someone that is an ex-coo of a tech business an ex-marketing cmo of a tech business or you know an ex-supply chain expert in in an e-com business or you know an ex-founder vc and almost having you know this is our in-residence expert team that you can call upon, you know, and we can take out to clients. And it's just something that's very different from other accounting firms as well. And, you know, something we put in a proposal that, you know, we, we might charge, you know, four times some someone else does. But, like, we put that on a proposal with a bunch of other things we do. The value someone gets from that is 10x compared to um, the price. So. Well, I'll be happy to uh, run you through. We've got an enormous number of metrics that we use. I'm happy to run you through them. If there's anything of interest that you pick up to uh, relay back into your client base. I was going to say, I always, I always like um, seeing on the skin of businesses and uh, finding out what their metrics are. I'm a numbers guy at, at heart. So By the time this comes out, we, we probably have an announcement already done, but I better not do that because in case we can't, <laughs> we've got a big uh, 2022 plan. But um, I would, we, we could do this all day. I would lo- I'd love to do it again. We're, um, yeah, she's made. <laughs> We're running up on time, but um, just to finish off, what's your prediction for the uh, for, for for the rugby coming up in February? I mean, you can never discount England. I say the one prediction: Italy won't win a game. Italy won't win a game. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that one's pretty much guaranteed. I don't know. I don't know who's playing at home and who's playing away, but so Italy won't win a game, and then oh, I don't know. Ireland always surprised, I think. They always, such a tough, such a, a physically tough team, I think. Well, it's got such a heart. I'll say Scotland's going to win the, um, win the Six Nations, but they'll, they'll get, they'll get beaten one of the games and I'll go probably get beat by, I don't know, one, one of the teams. Scotland, Scotland will win it, but they'll lose a game. We'll play this back in uh, early March and see how we go. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it's wishful thinking rather than, um, reality. I don't know. No, that's all right. That's all right. You're allowed to do that. Alistair Barlow from Flinder, thank you for joining us on the Accounting Leaders podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, thanks so much. I love listening to your podcast, so it's great to be invited on. So I love it. And uh, thanks again for uh, such a great afternoon, Sushi Samba in Covent Garden. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Cheers. Perfect. Cheers. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.